We're 99. I don't know what that means, Wikimiki, but sure, whatever, you're 99 I'm not years 99. Old. I'm 26. Apparently, apparently <laughs> Wikimiki is 99 years old, because that's what they say in their new single. Uh, what's up, everyone? It is Nate from Julie Daybok with another episode of the Daybok cast. This is episode 134, and Andrew didn't do his thing, so something's happening. Huh? He just missed. You didn't do your finger thing. Oh, I said what number sorry. it was. Oh, sorry. I was, I was looking. I got distracted by this clip <laughs> that's playing on. Okay, it's all covered. Okay, one, three, four. <laughs> yeah, there you Happy. go. Um, if you don't know what the Day Podcast is, it is a podcast, a weekly podcast, where we talk about K-pop and all things interesting in the Korean entertainment industry. Um, we do album reviews most of the time, and then occasionally have topics. Um, and... Uh, what else? I'm forgetting my opening for some reason. Um, oh, if you like that video, uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. Like the videos, um, physically like them on YouTube. Um, click the bell, notification bell, because then you'll get notified when videos go up. And then you can follow us on Twitter. Um, we're on uh, Spotify. We're on Apple, like iTunes podcast, Apple podcast now because yeah, it's iTunes Apple going away. It's yeah, because like, iTunes isn't a thing. It's just going to be it's Apple just going to be Apple Music Apple po- and Apple, Apple podcasts, podcasts and Apple movies. And That's going to be weird. So we're on Apple Podcasts. Um, so review us there because that helps us a lot. Uh, and of course, join our Discord. It is mucho lit. Um, so we have a small Discord channel. It's a nice little community there that hangs out and talks about stuff. And uh, meets up at KCON. If you're at KCON LA, you could have met up with our mods and a couple of our uh, members of our Discord. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. I can't afford to out. go there. <laughs> yeah, I don't have the vacation time to go there. Same, same. Um, and so, yeah, uh, it's a good place to hang out if you want to find some cool people to talk to you about K-pop. Um, I'm Nate, like I said, and as always, I am joined by Andrew, who usually has three things. Uh, number one, this was just a really busy week in regards to like, I don't know, MMA and wrestling or whatever. Cause, okay. So new Japan for wrestling had this thing called the G1 climax. It was like, it's like their big, like wrestling tournament show or whatever. The funny thing or how, how this relates to K-pop is, um, there was this like big storyline where one of the wrestlers, his name is Kenta. He, mm-hmm. he, he became a bad guy and joined this thing called bullet club. And so hashtag Kenta was trending on Twitter. And then all these K-pop fans are JBJ nine, five fans. Well, are yeah, getting confused. We're like, hey, Kenta, why are you, why are you, <laughs> why did you turn into a bad guy? Trending. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone was a bit confused there. Um, and then there was a UFC tour 41 last night. Um, which I have the, um, which is funny because, uh, so the main event of it was um, this like heavyweight fight between um, the champion uh, Daniel Cormier and the former champion who he, he t- t- took the belt off of uh, Stipe Miocic. So in the fourth round, Stipe Miocic knocks out the champion Daniel Cormier. He wins the belt back, and at the end, he does this like Irish jig dance. It was hilarious. So hmm. Egg, Egg, Mighty Egg Roll from our um, our Discord. Uh, decided to uh, do some uh, clip splicing, and he put the clip of Stipe Miocic doing like the sort of Irish jig thing to uh, twice as what is love music video. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. They do something similar. Yeah, they do something similar to that, so that's pretty funny. Um, I wonder. How, hopefully, Stipe finds it. I don't think he will, but yeah, that was funny. Yeah, I doubt it. Uh, number two on the list. Um, I guess music relevant. Tool is on Spotify now. 
Like yep. that was that's a that's huge news because Tool was probably one of like the the few like holdouts in terms of like music streaming. Streaming. Um, like yeah. it, for the longest time, it was like Led Zeppelin and then the Beatles, and those bo- both of those started doing streaming. But yeah, Tool for the longest time was a holdout. So. Um, yeah, that's actually pretty cool because I, I just I'd have to like go on YouTube if I wanted to listen to like Schism or something. I don't know any other music. Yeah. So yeah, that's cool. If you like Tool, you can go listen to them on Spotify or whatever like music streaming service you use. Apple Music. Yeah, I wonder if I guess. they're on Apple Music. I didn't check. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I I only know Schism in all honesty though. <laughs> I only know really? it because I I learned um because my it's friend. A rock band. Yeah, rock band, and I learned how to play it on bass. Like that, oh, dude, yeah. <laughs> like that, that the bass line's yeah. amazing. Uh, and number three, um, Jacob's not with us again because he's actually um, busy uh, with his dad's uh, wedding. Yeah, his dad's getting uh, uh, married this weekend, so congrats to him. Uh, hope everything goes well. Uh, Jacob was talking about like how he had to like get like a nice suit and everything for it. So, yeah, sounds fun. Yep, um, congrats. Apparently, Jacob talks to his dad about K-pop sometimes. He says, oh, really? When did he, he say that? No, no, no. He, he says he shows him, like, Hyako and, like, other, like, indie stuff. Oh, his okay, da- yeah, his, like the indie he, stuff. Yeah, because his dad's a big, um, like, rock music fan, so he's just like, yeah, he, he likes Hyako, apparently, so that's interesting. Yeah. And those are the three things, so that's all I all I have to talk about on that front, so. Yep. So, yeah, like Andrew said, uh, Jacob's not here, um. He still doesn't have blown out, so regardless, it doesn't matter whether he's here or not. There's no blown out. There is no blown Hashtag out. No blown out. Um, so yeah, let's get into. So this week we got three topic topics and then a review. Um, but we're doing a little out of order. We're gonna do two of our topics first, um, which Andrew will be covering. So let's go to topic one, which is Hong Kong and China. Not very related to K-pop right now, but we'll get there. We'll get there, definitely. So um, the title of this video is going to be like Hong Kong protests, one China policy, and like how it's affecting K-pop. So um, shortened down because that's way too long for YouTube. (laughs) Yeah, maybe I don't know. I'll see. I'll see if it can fit on like YouTube, um, like YouTube's one hundred character limit. But so uh, it's kind of going to be a history lesson but i feel it's like important to sort of get the full context as to why um k-pop or chinese k-pop idols reacting sort of the way or why everyone's reacting in this sort of way or what the sort of crux of the current protests and incidents going on in hong kong right now are so i thought it best to sort of do a bit of history and i guess how i'm going to proposing this topic is i'm going to be giving most of the information nate um is i guess going to be the sort of representative of the viewer asking questions yeah, you I know don't really have any, <laughs> if, like i mean i i know what the average person i feel like knows well no, maybe so, not the average person because the average person's probably pretty dumb and doesn't <laughs> pay attention to anything mm-hmm. relating to foreign politics but i have a very cursory knowledge of what the hell's going on hmm. and uh between China and Hong Kong, so. Well, I mean, okay, so I guess we could start there. Just, like, what do you know in general about, like, the history of Hong Kong or just, like, what History-wise, not much, but I just know, I just know like, they're kind of, like, a, a separate state-type thing where mm. they kind of see themselves as independent of China. China doesn't see themselves... see them as independent. Um, and there's kind of just, like, this weird standoff of... 
competing like <laughs> ter- claim of territory. Yeah, I, it would be I, like I, if Puerto Rico like didn't think it was part of the U.S. and the U.S. was like, "No, you're still a U.S. territory." Yeah, something and then they like that. Just yeah, yeah, you maintained status quo because yeah. it would hurt China to actually go through and like forcibly take it because so much goes through Hong Kong. Mm, yeah, but I mean, maybe, you gave- I don't know. You that gave, part I don't know. That part you pretty much really gave sure. the basic overview. I'm gonna like go from like the very beginning. So, I mean, I don't know how many people know this because again, it's kind of like old history. And if you're born past like the ni- 1997, you probably aren't familiar with um, Hong Kong's history as a British colony. Um, so how that came about was like in like the 1700s and 1800s, like Hong Kong was. Well, I mean, it, you know, like the Silk Road thing and like how like oh everyone was trading with China and like all these Western European countries, you know, all wanted all, like all the goods they have. So it was kind of continuing mm-hmm. through that. Hong Kong was sort of like a big place to do all that trade. Um, you know, European countries wanted like tea, silk, just like all these Chinese goods, uh, and in return they either gave them like money, like precious metals, or in the British Empire's case, they gave them opium, which came from uh, India, because India was also a British colony. So, they gave them all these drugs, opium. A lot of it was making its way into China, and it essentially caused a drug crisis. I mean, um, like, yeah. it's literally, like, this whole the whole opi- opium, like, addiction crisis is, like, a direct sort of influence as to why, like, countries like Japan, China, Korea still, like, they take drug... <laughs> Like accusations really seriously, Super, like even yes. like even to this day, it stretches back all the way from like these opium crises. So, um, at this time, the uh, China was being ruled by the Qing Dynasty. So, um, obviously, they didn't like all everyone getting addicted to all these drugs or just like having it sort of affect society and I guess the the people there. So, um, they wanted them to stop. Obviously, Britain didn't want to. So at it sort of came to an impasse where um, China Qing Dynasty ordered a halt on trade and then they basically pulled like a Boston they, they Boston tea partied like all of the um the opium <laughs> essentially they, they destroyed all of it which led to uh the first opium war in 1839 so um Britain uh, again obviously wanting to protect their interests in Hong Kong decided to go to war with China over it and uh if you know anything about Britain in like the 1800s they're like the most powerful empire in the whole yeah. world like they have the like the British Royal Navy is probably the was probably the most powerful navy at the time. So it's safe to say that it was kind of a one sided conflict. Like they destroyed, or I think that the the death toll on England side or British Empire side was like in the hundreds. China endured casualties in, in the thousands, twenty thousands. So yeah, um, yeah. So after in the aftermath of the war, they came to an agreement called the Treaty of Nanking, which was signed in August of 1842, uh, and it signaled the end of conflict. And as part of, I guess, the sort of reparations and sort of making deals to end the war, they gave control of Hong Kong to the British Empire. That's how they gained control of it as a sort of British Empire territory. Um, it wasn't it wasn't done though. Like they ended up having another um, opium war because they I don't know they they didn't completely sort of quell the tensions um but in in that war it was the british empire french empire and the u.s all were all involved so yeah safe to say Qing dynasty got um destroyed again uh and in the agreement for that uh the uh the agreement was um britain got control of kowloon so kowloon if um 
I'll show some like images here for our audience. Kowloon is this sort of peninsula to the north of Hong Kong Island. Like Hong Kong itself is just like a tiny island in like the south of China. And then above that is Kowloon. So they got control of that. And then in um, 1898, so like a, like 20 or so years uh, after the uh, the Second Opium War, they bought a 99-year agreement uh, lease to buy uh, what's called the New Territories. So basically, that's just everything that surrounds um, uh, Hong Kong and Kowloon. So just like the rest of like the landmass there, and there's some like islands and everything. So they purchased a 99-year lease, which was uh, yeah, so it was going to expire in uh, 1998. Um, so. Um, but before we got to that, though, um, basically in sometime in like 1949, uh, communists took over China. So a lot of people fled to Hong Kong to sort of just like escape the Chinese um, communist regime. Some people fled to Taiwan. Um, that's how that's mm-hmm. basically how modern day Taiwan was established. Um, the original like government of China essentially like fled to Taiwan and essentially set up their government there. Oh, really? OK. Yeah, so that's why, like, if you, um, that's why they're called, like, they're called the Republic of Taiwan, like, their official name, or, like, the Republic of China is their official name. Um, I mean, people oh, were living okay. on Taiwan, like, it's not like there was no one yeah. there, and they, they just, it's not like they did, like, they just civilization. Kinda took over the yeah, like, there are people living were people living there. Like, no, this is ours now. Yeah, people are living there, like, already, and they're just like, yep, we're just gonna set up new China here, I guess. Um, so, uh, Basically, after all of this happened, after British um, Britain had control of all of these territories, you get this like really big boom period from like the late like er, late fifties, early sixties to like the nineties, and you get what's known as the four Asia t- Asian tigers. That's sort of like in terms of economics. So, um, when they're referring to four Asian tigers, you're talking about Hong Kong, Singapore, Taiwan, and South Korea. So those are like the four like big countries that were like economic powerhouses in that time so um because the thing is though because um because obviously everyone was afraid of communism red scare that whole thing no one was doing business with china so like hong kong and singapore and um taiwan and um south korea were doing were making a lot of good business and just like making a lot of money off of um that taking advantage of that situation so um Basically, like all of them had like really good, um, you know, business laws and like export friendly government economic policies, you know, because they wanted to appeal to like Western, like America, America and like Europe. Um, they have a lot of personal freedom, economic freedom and like a lot of good business. So Hong Kong and Singapore, even to this day, are still known as like really big financial trading hubs because like Hong Kong has a stock exchange Singapore has a stock exchange that's really that's why you have a lot of business people that um, are sort of based out of Hong Kong or a lot of businesses that are based out of there and then Taiwan and Korea even to this day are still big in fields like electronics and manufacturing and medicine like still to this day like uh, like Korea is like their 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 advanced medicine and like their medical science is insane so mm-hmm. um, yeah that's sort of what they became known for Um so basically that boom period lasted until like the mid 90s until there was an Asian financial crisis in 1997 that sort of halted it but um, also what happened in 1997 was they were approaching the um, the end of that 99 year lease that like Britain made on uh, the new territories so everyone was kind of like uneasy about what was going to happen with that so um, in 1984 um what be- the current uh, United Kingdom um, decided to sort of strike an agreement called the uh, Sino-British Joint Declaration. And basically, it was just an outline of the process of, okay, how are we going to hand over, like, Hong Kong, Kowloon, new territories back into, like, 
the hands of China, like the People's Republic of China, because they, they, they didn't want to like hold on to the land. They wanted to give it back to them and everything. So the agreement was that on July 1st, 1997, they'd give all of the territory that they gained through the European Wars and everything back to China. And they would operate under what's called the one country, two systems policy. So what that means is that, okay, People's Republic of China, like mainland China, they do all like the communism and socialism type thing. But Hong Kong, Kowloon, New Territories, um, uh, Macau, like those areas, they don't have to let, they're not subject to that. They basically can do whatever they're doing. And they're allowed to stay, like they're allowed to keep their current economic um, or like their capitalist economic uh structures for a 50 year period with that period um with that sort of like grace period expiring in 2047 so uh, actually there were after when um the turnover happened there were a lot of people that were leaving um hong kong um like if you ever if you ever go to vancouver basically like vancouver's it's like almost all like Chinese there because pretty much everyone that had like business and like money um in hong kong uh they bought up like property and like biz and started like move their money over to Vancouver just because they were afraid that the uh, communist government would take all of it. So yeah, that's why oh, there was okay. like, a, yeah, there was a mass exodus um, out of uh, Hong Kong then. Um, so, I mean, one, chi- one country, two systems is actually a different thing than one China policy. Cause that's another sort of phrase we've been like hearing on um, thrown around. One China policy is directly related to Taiwan where basically if you have to, if you recognize one China policy, it means that even though there are two countries that are named China, there's the People's Republic of China, which is mainland China, and then the Republic of China, which is Taiwan. You're only allowed to recognize it as just like one, like big whole China, and that's why, like when mm. uh, like Chewie got in trouble, yeah, got in trouble, <laughs> yeah, because um, she held like the Taiwanese flag and everything, so. Um, like any acknowledgement of that is very, it's, it's not good when, when it comes to like yeah. relations to mainland China. It's why Taiwan doesn't have representation in the UN because they are considered part of China. It's why if you see in the Olympics, they're not allowed to use the name Taiwan. They have to use Chinese Taipei because again, they're not, yeah, yeah. they're not recognized as their own like sovereign state. Um, so that's like sort of like the prehistory of it. Um, or just leading up to, I guess, sort of where we're getting to now. Uh, so I guess in the modern day, um, I guess the economic I guess, power sort of shifted away from Hong Kong to some degree towards mainland China. Because um, like in the 90s and 2000s, like because once we started doing business with China, the U.S. started doing business with China in the 1970s, they started doing more manufacturing here. Again, everyone knows it's like the whole made in China stereotype where everything like bad or whatever, everything cheap is made in China. Um Mm-hmm. You know, once we once they started getting a lot of that business, China started to make a lot of money. It started becoming less dependent on Hong Kong to sort of carry the financial burden of for the rest of China, because places like Shanghai became really big, like financial centers and like business centers. And then you have all this manufacturing happening in like South China, like near Hong Kong and like Shenzhen and Guangzhou, which is where everything's made, essentially. Like my like we make shoes there. You make like electronics there. Um, so. Pretty much up until that point, basically when China was relying on Hong Kong to carry like all the financial burden, they were like, "Okay, you can we, you can have your freedom, you can do all this sort of stuff. We will we'll leave you alone." But now that Hong Kong isn't as important in terms of their like financial security, they don't feel the need to respect their sovereignty as much because again, they it's not really like them. It, 
it's it's not really like going to be that much of a like detriment to them if anything happens with Hong Kong. So mm-hmm. yeah, that yeah, so basically a lot of people have, in Hong Kong have felt that China's slowly being encroaching on uh, Hong Kong's autonomy, um, and like trying to sort of subject subject them to like, Chinese rule or subject them to like Chinese mentality. And if you ask people that live in Hong Kong. They don't think of themselves as like Chinese. Same thing with if you ask people that live in Taiwan, they think of themselves as Taiwanese. They think of themselves as Hong Kongers. They they make that difference, um, or they they try to make that difference from being like Chinese. So which doesn't which obviously angers <laughs> China and Beijing a lot. So that's why they they try to sort of quell any of that dissidence. So do you are you familiar with the term um, like? Uh, universal suffrage or just suffrage in general um i mean depends on how it's you i mean like <laughs> like the right to vote yeah yeah that, that's okay, basically yeah, it okay. so uh i mean i really don't know how to like sugarcoat this or just like explain this easily but hong kong does not have universal suffrage so um they have elected officials and to some degree they can vote it's just not not everything is subject to vote from like the voting populace so how it works is half of the um legislative council of hong kong basically their congress is you can direct electly or elect directly like you can like do like basically how it is in the u.s where everyone runs and then you vote and that sort of thing the other half are appointed by um something called the election committee it's this um small group of like 800 to 1200 um members it's comprised exclusively of high-ranking business people and from like different like sectors of business and legislative officials so that's definitely come under a lot of scrutiny because it feel everyone feels that the people the only people that are elected there are the ones that are you know friendly with china or the ones that like basically it's only working in the interest of the rich people not like the regular common working person um yeah and that same ele- um, election committee is in charge of um, electing uh, the chief executive of Hong Kong, basically their president, the equivalent to their president or their, um, you know, governor, basically the highest ranking official, which, that, yeah, that's crazy that Hong Kong or Hong Kongers as citizens do not have the right to elect the highly or the highest ranking government official that's supposed to be working in their favor. Um a lot of this came to a head um, in 2014 because uh, there was a proposal in 2014 because um, everyone was talking about like having universal suffrage, ha- allowing everyone to vote. But basically China's or the, I guess the Chinese influence was, um, I guess sort of, or what they wanted to do exactly was, okay, they'll let them vote on like candidate or they'll let everyone vote on candidates, but... Mm-hmm. They have to be approved by the election committee. And again, the election committee answers, or a lot of people on the election committee answer to Beijing. So that's what mm-hmm. uh, sparked a lot of protests and um, um, all of this outrage. Basically, this, it's, the, the specific wording for the, um, the conditions was, um, it said, quote, The chief executive shall be a person who loves the country, China, and loves Hong Kong, so that was that was their criteria for it. So yeah, they, that sparked a lot of protest and outrage because again, uh, people th- thought it was just like it's phony suffrage, or that they, they it, it, you're only getting to because anyone that isn't like in favor or um, 
pro-Beijing or pro-China would just get screened out immediately. They wouldn't even get presented to the voting public. So that's why there was a lot of protests. Um, so they did like a lot of sit-ins. They did a lot of marches. Um, it became known as the Umbrella Movement because... Uh, Basically, uh, like the, the riot police were just like throwing like tear gas and like pepper spray and everything. And so what they would do is they would like have umbrellas everywhere, so like to, to help deflect the uh, like the pepper spray and everything. So yeah, the umbrella, mm. like uh, having an umbrella out, is sort of became like the icon or like the symbol of um, just like universal suffrage in Hong Kong. So that, that's actually pretty cool. <laughs> like you wouldn't think of an um, like a random like umbrella just being like a political like statement or whatever. Um, and a lot of the all of the people that were in charge of it were like students, like people our age, and they got arrested for and given like months in prison because for of kind of just like maybe like colonial era laws about like unruliness or like inciting like conspiracy and that sort of thing. So that that definitely sparked a lot of outrage um, on behalf of the protesters. Um, and in 2015, they eventually shot down that proposal, like 28 to one, like 20 to uh, eight. Um, some of the pro-China um, uh, voting uh, block, they tried to like stall the vote and everything, but uh, eventually it, it got shot down. So they just reverted to the previous method of okay, the election committee is the only one that decides the voting. So I don't know if it was for better or worse in that case. Um, this resulted directly in the uh, election of Carrie Lam who is Hong Kong's first female chief executive. Um, Carrie Lam is still the chief executive today. And unsurprisingly, Carrie Lam is a pro-Beijing um, ideologist and definitely has pro-Beijing leanings and pro-Beijing backing. So like how they do elections over there is... You know, like Star Wars, when uh, like the prequels, when in, uh, like the separatist movement, we're talking about like, oh, like the banking clan or like the whatever, whatever, like the Camino ones yeah, or whatever. That's basically, yeah, that's basically how um, that's how it works in, in um, Hong Kong, where basically you have to appeal to like representatives of each different industry to sort of vote for you. So you have people from like the tourism industry or like the people that run like hotels, people that run like manufacturing and that sort of thing. So that's. Yeah, that that's how the voting works over there. You have to appeal to like different yeah. like sectors of industry. Um, so yeah, it, I mean, for me at least as a, as a freedom loving American that doesn't hasn't known anything else, it's kind of different and maybe a bit scary. Yeah, yeah. I just spent all of today watching Chernobyl, so I got a good taste of how communism works. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, definitely appropriate. Definitely appropriate for communism the discussion. bureaucracy. Yeah, it's. It, they, that's that's why a lot of um, people have been sort of in favor or wanting universal suffrage because again it's only working in the interest of people who control a lot of business who control a lot of power and money in, in Hong Kong not necessarily like the regular you know everyday working man out there so that's why like mm -hmm. there's all of these they call them like class like class like protests or like basically people between different like social classes um, and social standings just sort of fighting against each other so Mm -hmm. Any questions so far after that? Because that's probably the end of part one. No, it made sense to me. I mean, mm. it was basically just a history lesson, so mm. don't have too many questions. But um, yeah, yeah, okay. it's definitely interesting how all of it came about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, because not, 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 not many people okay. know about like the history of just like you know how Britain was involved in that sort of thing. So. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, so yeah, starting yeah, starting the second part. So I'll try to um, get into the current um, 
situation uh, going on in Hong Kong right now. So, um, like, I know you watched Fast Five, right? So, and remember the part when um, Mia and, uh, God, what's his name? <laughs> uh, one that died. What? Uh, Han? <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, you remember when they're on, like, whenever before they're going to do the, um, the train heist? What Paul Walker's character's, character's name again? Oh, Brian. Brian, see, I remember when me and Brian are on the train and they're like looking through like a catalog magazine of all these like different oh, yeah. countries. Like Hong Kong was one of the destinations because they said, oh, there's no extradition treaty there. Um, mm-hmm. Same thing with like the Dark Knight, if you remember. Um, the, yeah, they go to Hong Kong. Or yeah, they go to Hong Kong because. Dude. Yeah, because Hong Kong doesn't, or they wouldn't extradite um, anyone from Hong Kong. So Batman goes uh, to Hong Kong and recovers him and everything. Yeah. So. Yeah, basically, it's sort of a concept that Hong Kong doesn't have extradition treaties with almost anyone, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. This sort of became a issue uh, in 2018 after a high-profile murder, murder case happened in Taiwan, um, which involved a Hong Kong resident who uh, murdered his pregnant girlfriend in Taiwan and then f- returned to Hong Kong. So... Like, he went ahead and, like, when he was confronted by Hong Kong police on whether, like, what the story was behind the crime, he said, yeah, I did it. Like, he straight up, like, admitted to the crime, but Hong Kong mm-hmm. police couldn't do anything. They couldn't arrest him. They couldn't charge him with anything because they Hong Kong does not have an extradition treaty with Taiwan. Um, so, um, earlier this year, uh, the uh, legislative committee, like their Congress, um, proposed this bill entitled the uh, Fugitive Offenders and Mutual Legal Assistance in Criminal Matters Legislation Amendment Bill 2019. Okay, so what all that means is basically they wanted to establish an extradition treaty with mainland China and Taiwan. Um, so that basically if anyone does violent crimes or anything that requires like sentencing or charging... If you live in, if you escape to um, Hong Kong, if you live in Hong Kong and you go commit a crime over there, they'll extradite you to mainland China or Taiwan or Macau or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. And again, that pissed off a lot of people. So, um, like the reason why they were mad is because, again, it it felt it was another sort of way for China to um, encroach on Hong Kong's autonomy. And also they felt that it it's like a backdoor political prisoner type deal where basically they're afraid that you know anyone that speaks out against China or like the government or communism they could just make up some phony uh, like accusation or some phony charge extradite you to mainland China and subject you to their laws and their courts because the courts in China are controlled and they're run by the communist party itself so Chances are you're not going to get your a fair shake, <laughs> especially if you're someone yeah. that's like a dissident over there. So that's what most of the protesting has been about uh, for the past couple of months. Um, I, I think it's hitting 11 weeks now. Um, and even 11 weeks later, like this picture I had up on um, the beginning, they're attracting there's close to two million people attending these protests. Now, the population of Hong Kong is only seven million people so that's one fourth of the entire population of hong kong is attending these protests so to draw a comparison to like if that was happening if something like that was happening in the u.s that'd be 81 million people 81 million americans all protesting at the same time so that's the level of involvement that we're getting here um from hong kongers so 
Uh, again, most of the protests have been peaceful, but there have been a lot of serious clashes with um, protest, like protesters and police and government and like all this sort of stuff. Um, they were trying to describe it as riots, which they didn't really like. Um, yeah, it's just a lot of like violence that's sort of escalating. So just to sort of highlight some, just sort of give it an idea of like the gravity of uh, these situations. Um, they blockaded like the police headquarters and tried to block it and they tried to block police cameras and everything um because they were arresting activists and high profile like um people in like the the anti-extradition movement and they felt that police were using um too much brutality and they were uh, injuring people um for no reason um there was a student activist that got uh arrested for um for carrying a laser pointer <laughs> I, I know it sounds like crazy but um basically they he was like he was like a student union leader or something and they found like 10 laser pointers in his bag he got charged with um like carrying like a offensive weapon or something and so in response everyone's been buying laser pointers <laughs> or something like that or just been trying to use laser pointers to sort of um i guess defy the the government or whatever because their position was that um, laser pointers could be used to blind people, or it can set things on fire. Like, I, uh, yeah, or they can disrupt the cameras too. Yeah, that's that's another thing I've heard is like, yeah, because if you shine a laser pointer into like a, a security camera, it'll scramble all like the footage or whatever. Or it, it, it's harder to get like, because that's actually a thing that you did where basically a lot of the protesters have to wear masks and everything because if you they can if they see your face they have facial recognition software and then they can arrest you and that sort of thing so that's why there's a lot of um clash over that um the craziest one um for me was and i'll show a video of this but like yeah like be careful this video it has a bit of violence in it um like this group of like men like all dressed in white to sort of, um, they were all dressed in white because all the protesters were dressed in black. Sort of just, I guess, a, a, a difference in that they came with like sticks and like metal bats or like metal pipes and everything. And they went to a train station somewhere in Hong Kong and they just started beating like anyone that was dressed in black. Um, there were people like there that were, had nothing to do with the protest. They were just like journalists or like maybe like an elected official or something. Um, I think, like, there was a story where, like, they beat a pregnant woman. Like, this woman was pregnant, just standing there, like, like in the train station, and... Yeah, um, so the idea behind, or the thought behind it is that some of these people might be involved with the triad gangs. So, like, that's, triad is, like, the equivalent of, like, Yakuza or, like, the mafia in, um, in Hong Kong, and they have a lot of, like, power and a lot of people there, so that, that's a thing. Um... Also, there's some criticism for the police because they kind of had a delayed response. So everyone thought that maybe it was organized or associated with the police and that sort of thing. Um, there was a woman who got shot in the eye with like a beanbag round and she, she might go blind and everything. And she was like a volunteer medic. So she's sort of been out there in the news. Um, Something that happened last week was uh, they sort of shut down the airport. They had like they were um, they had sit-in protests there, and people people were stranded in Hong Kong. They couldn't leave. They couldn't come out. They couldn't come in. Um, also, um, 
one of the really scary things is uh, China has been like slowly amassing like I don't know if you heard about this one where um, like basically in Shenzhen again like I said it, Shenzhen's just north to the north of Hong Kong and New Territories um, a mm-hmm. lot of they've been assembling a lot of like military forces and like they're doing like exercises and drills and they have like APCs and armored like tanks and everything mm. and yeah it, everyone's kind of scared maybe it's a full on assault but um I, most people just see it as like sort of like a scare tactic. Show of force. Yeah. yeah, show of force. I mean, uh, that's pretty common, especially for China. And I mean, North Korea does yeah. the same thing where they will have like yeah, these yeah. extravagant like parades and everything to sort of like scare people away from sort of messing with them. Um, yep. So just to go over a bit of like the uh, demands that the uh, protesters made to sort of or as to what they wanted out of the uh, situation. Um, one, it was. Um, a complete withdrawal of the proposed extradition bill. Two, a, restra- a retraction of statements from police and public officials characterizing the protests as riots. Um, they also wanted a release of like anyone that was arrested in regards uh, to the protests. Um, they wanted an, uh, t- them to establish like an investigative committee to like sort of look into police corruption or police abuse. Um, they wanted the right to universal suffrage for both the legislative council and chief executive um, elections. And uh, I guess the highest or the most popular or most important one, they w- were asking for the resignation of Carrie Lam as uh, chief executive of Hong Kong. So um, all that we've gotten so far, uh, again, we're filming this on uh, August 18th. So how all we've gotten so far is the extradition bill has been suspended for the time being. Um, Carrie, bill, Carrie Lam um, declared the bill dead as of July 9th, but people are still protesting because they're still afraid that, oh, they might just be suspending it for now, wait for the protests to sort of die down, and then they'll just sort of sneak it in like um, like in the middle of the night or something like that And when, when, no one's, when there's no international attention to it, because right now they can't do anything like this because every major news company in the world has reporters like on the ground in Hong Kong so yeah they're like the when the eyes of the world are watching you you probably it's probably not a good idea um two uh, the police uh retracted their initial statements like they said okay only people that are doing violent crimes like throwing bricks at people or like destroying property will be charged or treated as rioters uh, Carrie Lam did not resign um but she did offer an apology saying that like, um, she didn't like intend for there to be like uh, unrest and all that sort of thing. So that being said, now we get to I guess the most relevant or I guess the most important part of this, at least in regards to our field of work. How does this relate to K-pop? So, like, it's no secret that um, like K-pop companies they want to appeal to the China market. There's a lot of people in China. Yeah. Like, there's um, like there's a huge like desire and like I guess want for K-pop idols to sort of promote over there so that's why you see all these they go to places like China and Taiwan and Hong Kong to have concerts they have members of K-pop groups that are from China from Taiwan from Hong Kong because they're trying to appeal to the like whatever fan base they're sort of growing in those countries um mm-hmm. So at first, what happened in the aftermath of these protests and the unrest happening in Hong Kong was uh, a lot of people that had scheduled events were canceling them. So Kang Daniel canceled his fan meet. Um, AB6 has yet to cancel their fan meet, but all of the fans are just pleading with them to like the company to like cancel it because the fan meet's supposed to happen on August 24th, and there's still a lot of this like protesting going on. So yeah. 
Yeah, I think yeah they should probably cancel it <laughs> at that rate because yeah, it's still way too yeah, crazy over there. They do. Um, uh, CJ and Mnet have sort of um, thrown the idea around of maybe not having um, Mnet Asian Music Awards Mama in Hong Kong or in Japan because like Hong Kong is kind of like the main place that they've been having it for. Oh, God, so like, they usually do it in Hong Kong. Yeah, it's always been in Hong Kong um, or like Macau uh, specifically. Um, they always do it there. Um, like that's been sort of like the home like base for Mnet Asian Music Awards for the la- longest time. But with all the unrest going on there, and then with their Korea's relations with Japan not being in the best um, condition right now, like they're considering just maybe having it in Korea. Um, Got Seven. Um, it took them a long time, but they finally um, delayed their concert. They were supposed they were on uh, their like spinning top tour or whatever it's called. Um, they came yeah. to the U.S. and everything. Um, they were supposed to have a fan meet or like a concert in Hong Kong. Uh, they canceled that as a direct result of uh, Jackson Wang being a Hong Konger and being Chinese um, for his safety and I guess just for his involvement in, to some degree. Uh, Jackson also canceled his appearance. He was supposed to show up at Eighty Eight Risings Festival that was happening this yeah. weekend. Yeah, that was happening yep. the same weekend as KCON, too. So um, that, that's crazy that like, he had to cancel that, too. And, I mean, it's... If you know anything about China and how, I guess, things work over there and how Chinese exceptionalism or just, like, Chinese nationalism is, like, it's no surprise to anyone that um, Chinese, like, celebrities, idols... They're very outspoken in their support of China and supporting China if there's any international incidents. I mean, um, if you remember in 2016, Faye from Miss A had this huge sort of backlash over... She posted an Instagram photo of um, China and included, like, it's called like the nine... Uh, dash line border dispute type of thing where like all these islands in the South China Sea that essentially are owned by the Philippines and have like Filipino people living there and working there are being claimed by China because you know like you know what China does like they try to claim like such and such territory is theirs even though they don't really have mm-hmm. any like claim to it so yeah Faye got a lot of backlash for that when she made her comeback um so yeah it's We've definitely experienced it before where um, Chinese um, K-pop idols have showed their support for China and the government and sort of anything that China does. So we've had this sort of string of uh, uh, K-pop idols from China that sort of showed their support on like Twitter and Instagram and Weibo, which is like Chinese Facebook. I mean, I've been trying to look up like who did like what with Weibo, but it's hard because I don't have a Weibo account. And I don't want to sign yeah. up for one necessarily. <laughs> it seems like pretty much everyone did on Weibo. Yeah. Which makes sense. So yeah, there's like three tiers to like support or three tiers to like whatever this is going to. So I'll go through tier by tier. And um, most of this has been sourced through like different articles. Um, a lot of this has been sourced through like Omana They Didn't's live journal, who's like they've been blogging for years and they do stuff on Reddit sometimes. So um so the first post or the first social media campaign that uh, made its waves was the uh, quote five star red flag has 1.4 billion guardians hashtag campaign like that's the actual name of it um, yeah, yeah it's that's it's, the poorly translated name yeah of it, yeah basically it's it's so it just gets butchered in Google Translate so um, mm-hmm. it's this Weibo sort of hashtag social media campaign 
um, I guess, expressing pride in showcasing like the or like defending the Chinese flag because that, it's in a direct response to like a lot. Basically, a lot of the protesters would just in Hong Kong would just like climb like the pole, like the flagpole, get the Chinese the Chinese flag and like throw it into the river or something like that. Oh, yeah, because okay. yeah, they they don't like they, again, they don't consider themselves Chinese. They don't they consider themselves Hong Kongers. So, mm-hmm. um, idols that um, sort of did that were. As follows, Jackson from GOT7, uh, Lucas from Wavy, Yanan from Pentagon, and Uki from G-Idol. Um, so that one, I think, is, yeah, that, that's sort of like the lowest, I guess, tier of involvement to sort of, I guess, put it there. I mm-hmm. have seen some rumblings about Sally from Gugudan maybe doing something, but I haven't found any, like, confirmation yet officially. I mean, she's Chinese, she's from, you know, mainland, so it wouldn't surprise me, but I... yeah. I don't have any official confirmation uh, either way to sort of confirm or deny it, so I'll just sort of give that caveat. Um, mm-hmm. The idols that um, I guess sort of went even further in their um, support, um, there was this message or image going around um, that said, uh, or that was in support of Hong Kong police because there was an incident where some type of journalist or state-run media official or something was in the airport in Hong Kong. Like I said, there was like protests there. And he went up to this group of protesters and said, quote, I support the Hong Kong police. You can beat me up right now. And then they attacked him and everything. So that's sort of become a rallying cry for um, like Chinese celebrities. And that's sort of become like a shared post sort of thing. I know, mm-hmm. like, I know it's kind of bad to make a joke about it. This but it kind of reminds me of like the... So what are you gonna do? Stab me? Thing? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know what that is. Oh, it's, it's like this, like it's like this Dateline like radio transcript where somebody that's about to get stabbed says, "So what are you oh. gonna do? Stab me?" <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, I mean, I don't know what he was expecting, trying to say you could beat me yeah. up right now into in a yeah. crowd of protesters. A, but yeah. Oh, say so yeah. In a in a environment like that, you kind of. I mean, he literally asked for it, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, 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 they tried to use that to sort of be like, oh, all the protesters are, you know, like, violent, they're attacking violent. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're trying to, like, sort of put it in that type of light. So, the people that shared, um, I, I'll show you the, I can show the, uh, the post right now. Um, it says, or, yeah, the one that said, it says, like, what a shame for Hong Kong, and then, like, I support the Hong Kong police. So, the idols that said, or shared this post were, uh, Cheng Shao, um, of Wu Ju Sonyo, I think, um... Mm. Question mark. <laughs> uh Kyung, um, formerly of Pristine, uh Jun and the eight from seventeen, and uh Lai Guan Lin, formerly of Wano One, which is very interesting because he he's not Chinese, he is Taiwanese. Um oh, but right. okay. I think he has a he has a huge fan base in China, so he um Maybe yeah. Yeah, it's sort of that's the speculation as to why he sort of put out these type of messages. Um but I'd say the sort of the most outspoken idols or the most like active ones and showing their support. Um, and definitely some of like, I guess maybe a bit of the disturbing, um, content is from Lei and Victoria, Lei of EXO and Victoria formerly of FX, I think. Um, mm-hmm. so in regards yeah. to Lei, um, he shared every single one of the messages and hashtags that I mentioned before. So like the, like the Chinese flag post, the Hong Kong police post, he shared all of that to social media. He also canceled his sponsorship deal with Samsung and threatened to cancel his sponsorship deal with Calvin Klein because they listed Taiwan and Hong Kong as separate, separate locations yeah. from China, which is in violation of one China policy. So, 
Um, he didn't appreciate that. His, I feel even one of his publicists um, sort of expressed his disapproval. Um, apparently, he has direct ties to the Communist Party in mainland China, and he is a public ambassador for the uh, Communist Youth League of China, which is, I think, it's like their Boy Scouts, essentially. He's like the, okay. he's, he's yeah. like the public face of that over there. Um, Victoria, um, again, she also shared a lot of the same... Um, posts and everything uh, as before and I sort of the one that made headlines was her Instagram post um, with the Chinese flag and just like all these like huge red letters it translates to I love China I love Hong Kong Hong Kong is a part of China forever so and you just see in like I'm scrolling through it right now like you all of the um, responses are Chinese well yeah there's like it's like got the creepy like communist bot post of like they're all like the same post it's the same like message like there's like thousands of this exact same message it's like it's just like uh, creepy looking because you're just yeah it's just it's clear that it's just bots that are spamming like communist propaganda message like even if you can't read the chinese you know like yeah, you can, t- you know, because there's like, well, one, there's some English in there, and two, yeah, it's just the, the like, sort of the way, like, like the amount of messages um, yeah, in support like, of it. Yeah, and it's all the exact same thing. It's just, yeah, it's weird. So, um, I mean, I, I guess you can kind of put Jackson out there and being outspoken, but he didn't really share as much on social media. What he's sort of being raked over the coals for is he's he was born in Hong Kong. He, like, he's a Hong Konger. He grew up there. Like, he did, like, sports in the name of Hong... Like, representing Hong Kong. Um, mm-hmm. But um, he has been very outspoken in his support of China. I believe someone on... Again, I, I can't confirm or deny this, but I, I wouldn't surprise me. His parents have ties to the mainland. Um, I don't know if it's direct ties to the Communist Party, but they have allegiance with mainland as opposed to China. Um... And also, he like somebody gave him a Chinese flag in um, like a concert or something. Um, mm-hmm. He's spoken as identifying himself as Chinese and not specifically as a Hong Konger. So he's kind of been criticized over that, which is why they canceled the the Hong Kong concert and they canceled the eighty eight rising um, event. So mm-hmm. now, with that yeah, being said, per- uh, yeah. So I was gonna say his both of his parents are from China. And they're part of, like, his dad's part of the Chinese national fencing team and stuff. And, oh. like, gold medalists and stuff. Okay, so, so yeah. like, they're, then, they're high-profile, yeah. like, Chinese athletes. Yeah. So and both his parents. For those that don't know, like, Olympics are taken very seriously in China. I mean, to the point that, you know, they sort of fudge the numbers when it comes to, like, age for, you know, gym- gymnasts. Like, because if you're a gymnast, like... There's, I think the uh, the limit is like 13 or something if you're a gymnast because anything under that you're just way too flexible and nobody can compete with that. So like China has gotten in trouble before for like f- like forging like ages and everything. Um, and mm-hmm. again, they take it very very seriously. Where um, like if you win a medal in the Olympics, like your your whole family is set for life essentially for like the rest of like the, your days essentially like they they res- give a lot of resources into it like you're considered like a like a hero to the country if you do well in the olympics so yeah it's no surprise that they're um they consider themselves or they identify as chinese um being a part of the chinese fencing team so with that out of the way this is now the section of the i guess the topic where we'll talk about i guess just sort of our reactions or just sort of how we respond to all this so again i've been talking for like 40 minutes so you go ahead yeah (laughs) 
Um, yeah, so I mean, I like I said at the start of the episode, like I don't really have a, I I, I don't have a stake in this game. Like I don't have any ties to China or Hong Kong or anything, obviously. Um, but I think like what it, I I completely understand Chinese idols like posting this stuff. I I, I don't expect. Chinese idols to be going around and being like fuck China like fuck like go Hong Kong or whatever like it's clear they're not going to be supporting Hong Kong um and like I don't even really care that they're sharing stuff on social media per se like so okay I it makes sense and I totally understand and it doesn't bother me that they're posting on Weibo but like my problem was with Victoria and posting on Instagram. Instagram, that like, is not that's that's an internationally that, like, used yeah, that, that's, application that's, website. Yeah, like that's an American like social media service, and like you're not gonna get a lot of support. Like, what's the point? Like, it it just I don't know. To me, like that that's like to me like part of me wants to be naive and hope that the idols are just doing this because they basically have to to like, like keep their personal gun to their head like I, I, not gun to their head but just to keep their like personal standing and like keep their fan base where the, maybe they don't particularly believe it having like lived outside of china and maybe they've like I, this is all just speculation. Like I, said, yeah, I have no idea what's going on no one, in either. Heads. No one will ever know that. Like the the full story. Like nobody. They're it. not. They're not going to admit to it. Like unless they become citizens of another country or whatever. But like, um, and just completely cut all ties to China, which they're not going to because it's a huge market and it's where a huge amount and of their fans that, are. It, a national um, pride thing too. Like you, you'd be seen as well, a traitor yeah, too. Yeah, you'd yeah, be yeah, seen yeah, as exactly. a traitor to the country if you leave. Um, but. Like, yeah, so, like, obviously, I'm, I kind of just expect pretty much all of the Chinese idols to post these things, but when, like, Victoria posting on Instagram, to me, that show is, like, she's all in, and, like, like, I don't know what you gain from posting on Instagram, like, you're, you're just, you, you're pissing off, like, you, you can... It's a safe bet that most of your international fans, like, Western fans, at least, are, are aren't gonna you. support... China like like mm. they're not and they're not gonna like agree with this and so you're just like basically gonna be losing a ton of western fans and losing a ton of respect from western fans and you're not gaining anything like if you post it on Weibo like that's good like China like, o- all the Chinese, Chinese fans people. know <laughs> yeah they're uh, you're not gonna gain a bunch of support from Chinese people from posting on Instagram because like it's not a Chinese inst- like you're not preaching to the choir media service. There. Yeah, you're yeah, preaching. Exactly. <laughs> you're preaching and to like, the angry mob. <laughs> that's what that's uh, like I if you're all in on it, sure that makes sense. That's you want to tell the whole world like, "Hey, I'm supporting this." But like, I don't know, it just definitely made me lose respect for her. like I and like it's it's hard to say cuz like I said like you're you kind of expect them to support this and like I don't want to get too into the like personal like I don't know if that makes sense like it's like I don't want to get super into the personal like thoughts of like this stuff but yeah it just that rubbed me a little the wrong way um like I think it's uh it's something people should know about but when you have a like such an impressionable fan base as uh k-pop idols do 
Um, K-pop is like probably here. up there in terms of impressionable fan bases. It's yeah, all exactly. Like 13-year-olds. And like, Victoria, maybe not so much because FX hasn't done anything in like five years and like their fa- her fans aren't the youngest fans around anymore because newer K-pop fans don't even know who FX is really. Um, but, <laughs> but still, like, you just like... But Lay and and the oh rest Lay of it. yeah yeah Lay exactly, um it's just like you gotta it when you're post it's so weird to like it just feels wrong to be posting such clear like propaganda like type things when you have such an impressionable audience, um so like that's what I that was what I didn't like about it like like like. Yuki and and like all of them posting just stuff on Weibo like that's I totally I expect that like that doesn't bother me because they're not gonna not like they're not gonna not say anything because they'll get shit on for that yeah they'll be no, like, that, why that aren't is, you the, why aren't you supporting China yeah, all the Chinese I, fans that's directly uh, it's it's directly involved where you know, like you know we've heard this whole thing about like social credit score and everything and yeah, yeah. like how like especially as celebrities like what you say directly affects like you know what happens to your family their livelihood and everything so speaking out against it you know isn't that easy for any Chinese athlete yeah. celebrity idol um yeah they're, they're never gonna speak out against it and even if they don't say anything it's gonna be seen as speaking out against it they're like why aren't you supporting china so th- that i totally understand it's yeah but yeah when you like post it like v- what victoria posted on instagram like her fans like k-pop fans aren't gonna know the ins and outs of all this like political conflict and like the what what side each side means they're just be like oh victoria supports china i'm gonna support china yeah and it's like but because people don't think for themselves anymore yeah because i mean that's why like the position of being an idol is so you know that's with great power comes great responsibility like what you say is what every like thousands and millions of little girls and little boys are just gonna follow blindly like if like if jackson wears fendi everyone's gonna start wearing fendi like like it's Mm -hmm. that simple to some first for some people so yep so that's what bothered me about it um there's not too much more for me to say Mm -hmm. i mean on my end like I know it's a weird position because I mean, for whatever reason, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm I have, I have Chinese blood in me. Um, a lot of my a lot of my biases are Chinese, like like mm-hmm. like Uki, like Teng Shao. Uh, I like I like Kyo Kyung. Um, like Lucas is yeah. one of my bias records of the year. Um, uh, Victoria, she's great. She's a great idol. Um, Lei, he's he's done great music too. Um, a lot of these are my biases. So, um. I, I think I've spoken like tertiarily about it prior, but um, before I was born, my family uh, they lived in Hong Kong. Uh, my sister was born in Hong Kong. She was born like, like I mean, they, my family lived in Kowloon specifically. So like my my because my mom was a a flight attendant for Cathay Pacific. Cathay Pacific is like the like Hong Kong like airline, kind of like how like you have like Korean Air, Japan Airline, that sort of thing. Like Hong Kong's airline mm-hmm. was Cathay Pacific. So my mom was a flight attendant for them. Um, like they lived there from like like the late eighties to like the early nineties until they moved here and had me in in the United States. Um, my aunt and uncle they 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 worked and lived in Hong Kong. Uh, my parents, I, they haven't kept up with them, but they have friends that live in Hong Kong. Um, 
and I, again, I have Chinese blood in me, so um, my, 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 my dad grew up learning um, Cantonese. Um, he has, like, a Cantonese name. He has a Chinese name. Um, you know, our name, again, our, my, my grandfather came from uh, southern China. He emigrated to the Philippines and married my grandmother. Um, so, yeah, I, I have to say that I have personal involvement in this situation would be an understatement. <laughs> that'd, be the, yeah. that'd be the understatement of the year. So, it puts me in, like, the worst predicament where... Like, I have these idols that I love and care about, but they're doing these things that, you know, directly affect me and my family, or they're in support of things that directly affect me and my family. Um, and I don't know, that's just... Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's just been tough for me to sort of just come to grips with this, just because I love a lot of these idols so much, but some of the stuff they're saying is just horrible. And I mean, I... I that's why I sort of tried to tier things in sort of what, what type of messages they were sharing. Because, I mean, I'm not as mad, quote-unquote, at, like, I don't know, Uki or, like, Cheng Shao or whatever. Because, I mean, I feel like a lot of them, again, if you're... If you know anything about China, it's where they have state-run media. They're sold on the idea that China is the most powerful and greatest nation in the world. A lot of them don't know any better. Like, they've been indoctrinated into this culture, into into this, like way of thinking that it's just sort of second nature to them and I don't want to be like reactionary or critical of idols that are doing this because again they it might just be ignorance is bliss like they really think it and I, I don't know I, I I don't want to be overly critical of it I think the, the people I'm more mad at is like Lei and Victoria because they they've been around for a while and like Lei he promotes here in the US he um he does so much stuff internationally he, com- he does like international deals with Calvin Klein and everything so I don't know it's just again like you I'll, to follow up on what you were saying basically where it's just there's something disturbing about K-pop idols sort of these Chinese K-pop idols weaponizing it's that's a term really for it. they're weaponizing their influence and their status to sort of um, shape thinking with their fan base and for people that don't know any better and it's just been the craziest thing seeing on Twitter like people like like ignorant as bliss bliss, like k-pop fans that don't know anything like trying like coming out and defending like victoria or like lay or whatever like like, xols are really like up in arms about defending him and everything and it's just like the there's the cognitive dissonance i feel is just so great between people that might be outspoken about someone like trump and like what they're he's doing and yet they're supporting an idol that's clearly like spouting chinese propaganda (laughs) Like, the, mm-hmm. there's just so much cognitive dissonance in, in that respect, and I don't know, yeah, it just, it just makes me so worried for, again, all these impressionable kids that don't know any better, and that they're, they're buying into, and I mean, that's, that's what China wants, exactly, that's why, that's why they tr- get so many of these high-profile idols, and celebrities, and athletes, and movie stars to buy in, because they know the influence that they have isn't just restricted to China, it's worldwide, and the more people they get to buy into the fact that China is the number one country in the world, like, perception's reality, the more people they get to buy into it, the, the better for China, um, I mean, even regardless, I'd say no one gets off scot-free, I guess, in terms of, like, even if they're doing it unwillingly, again, they do, you do have, I feel, a responsibility as an idol, as a celebrity, as someone with influence to sort of guide and sort of direct your fans to a good moral way of living, um, 
like I I don't know I I really don't know if I can't if I personally can't listen to them anymore and I I, can't, I know I can't do that because it's our job here on Truly Daybok to like listen to everything objectively regardless of bias unless it's something like really egregious um yeah, we never inject a bias into anything we do. <laughs> like, I, I try, at least for me, I try to listen to everything and review everything objectively when it comes to music. Or I no, try yeah, not to, yeah. I try not to let, like, my personal feelings for something or a group or a, an artist, like, get in the way of is this music good or not? And it's just very mm. hard to do that, again, when all these, like, idols are just sort of in favor of things that I'm, I'm against or that I oppose. So. Yeah, that's just sort of been the conundrum for me, and I, uh, I don't know, I just, I feel for everyone in Hong Kong, like, dealing with this, I feel for, you know, my parents, like, they only lived there for a couple of years, but they consider Hong Kong to be just as much home as, you know, the Philippines was, and they they hold, like, those memories, like, my dad just, like, lo- my, my dad just loves talking about, like, his time in Hong Kong, and all the crazy shit he'd get into, or just, like, my mom, um, like raising my sister um, in Hong Kong and like they'd go to like they do like horse races and like they do all this like crazy stuff like going to Macau and everything like they they speak so fondly of the memories there and it's just hearing about all of this breaks my heart like because I know that there's people that they care and it's a place that they care and love about there's people that they care and love about over there that you know might be at risk yeah and I guess to sort of I like wrap up the whole conversation I mean as to like my outlook on maybe what might happen here is like I, I explained it in like the whole history sort of thing that like, the handover happened in 97 and China will gain sort of or the the grace period's over in 2047 and I think once that agreement was signed I feel the like their fate was sealed ultimately I, I, I that's I know that's not what most Hong Kongers or most people want to hear but I feel the international community or us as non like Hong Kongers not like directly on the ground there that's there's not much we can do to help outside of you know throwing behind our support I mean I, I applaud like Hong Kong citizens have just been insane in their devotion and their willingness to sort of you know defy you know oppression like like China's huge government scary and everything too and like there's they're willing to give their lives to, for something that they believe in they love their you know autonomy they love having these personal freedoms they don't want to be subjected to it and they're you know they're, they're putting their money where their mouth is you know a lot of people like here in America definitely rail on and on about that but they're not willing to put their words into action and so I applaud everyone in Hong Kong for being willing to do that um I'd say, yeah, it's a really tough situation, though, because pretty much all China has to do is just wait out the clock, essentially. They're they're playing keep away. Like, it's like like it's basketball. All they have to do is keep quiet, don't, like, step over the line until 2047, and they can do whatever they want, essentially. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. some people have been, like, throwing around the notion that, oh, this might end up in, like, a Tiananmen Square 2.0, but... China, I don't think, would risk something like that because the last time when Tiananmen Square happened, it, like the 20, Tiananmen Square massacre happened in 1989, China became an international pariah. No, everyone was boycotting them and everything. China knows that, like, if they do something like that, they, they their economy will collapse and like they, all of their international relations would just be destroyed. Um, so I think they'll continue to toe the line like they're doing now. They'll continue to like do like show of force, like do threaten military action, threaten like protesters directly. But I don't think they don't have to do anything like the ball. Like they have the advantage, unfortunately, in this case. And I'd say like the best thing that we can hope for is, you know, maybe the, the best thing we can hope for is that hopefully people, you know, 
just put aside the fact that China has the proverbial world by the nuts in terms of like everything's manufactured in China. Like literally everything mm-hmm. is manufactured in China from like that goes to every country. Like if if a country like if the US decided to boycott it like we've just been so accustomed to cheap Chinese labor that people would complain if like their their sneakers or their Xbox is like $50 more or something like that because they have to produce it somewhere else. So like mm-hmm. we're just so addicted to it that at this point like it's there's just too much there's too many people with a lot of money that would rather put business interests in front of um you know morality and um just freedom and personal freedom and like even american companies like nike had this whole situation where like they didn't release a shoe in china because they collaborated with someone that was like in support of the hong kong protest um that in like dota 2 you know like the international like the big like tournament that they have like every year um it's happening in china mm-hmm. shanghai this year and on their twitch like twitch is an american website valve is an american company they are censoring the word Tiananmen square and winnie the pooh from the twitch chat because they don't want to you know piss off uh anyone in china and they're i guess they're chinese like um co co-collaborators and everything so yeah that's a th- that's the basic of it. I think I think like if anyone like if they tried to do anything military involvement or anything, nobody wants to start World War Three over a tiny island in the south of China, unfortunately. And as much as I want to see like things go well, it's going to be an uphill battle. And I mean, mi- miracles have happened before. Like peaceful protests have happened before. Like in the Philippines, the they used to be under like a dictatorship and martial law and everything, and there was they had peaceful protests and they were able to overthrow the government. You know, maybe something like that happens, and I'm I'm hoping and praying for it. But yeah, I think people should just continue doing what they're doing. You know, record everything definitely because that's the one thing that China doesn't want. If there's any like high profile, like scandalous incident that makes them look bad, that's gonna be you know that's more ammo for um um the protester side. So yeah, I just wish them all the best, and I just hope that this. You know, this country or this this place that my parents and my family holds so dear just, you know, deserves to stay free, deserves to stay how it is. Um, it's not perfect. Definitely. It's not perfect. But I feel imperfect freedom is better than a perfect tyranny. <laughs> I guess that's the, the moral mm-hmm. of the story here is, I, yeah, you'd, you'd rather have freedom and like things not go well than just, you know, be subject to, to one, you know, uniform idea. So, yeah, that's all I really wanted to talk about. I know it's kind of long, but I... It's something that's important to me and it's something that I feel is important to talk about and just sort of put out there, you know, you know, I don't know if I'm risking my own financial security. I work with Chinese companies, you know, China has a history of, <laughs> um, you know, not allowing entry to people that are outspoken. I mean, like, not, not that this will blow up, but I mean, I, I don't care if I'm risking anything by talking about this. It's something I feel strongly about. So I hope... I hope it's sort of an insight into like I guess what the situation is and I'm definitely yeah definitely interested in what the different reactions are I don't know if anyone that listens to us is from Hong Kong or is from that part of Asia but well if anything that contributes to the conversation we definitely appreciate um how you're going to react to your idols or like like Lei and Victoria and, and the rest of them like are is it will it, is it more difficult for you to support your idols or support these groups that you know sort of say these kind of things like definitely let us know all of that in the comments because I, I this is something I feel you should have an interesting and good um, healthy discussion yeah 
Okay, let's move on to topic three. Much lighter topic. Oh, much lighter topic. Uh, we wanted to get that out of the way. <laughs> we have Wikimiki. We're going to review Wikimiki's repackage album, Weekend Lull. Um, so this is really just adding one song, but we didn't review the original because it was only three songs, just a single album, which is Lock and Lull. Um, we did talk about Picky Picky, which is a single during releases, but I really wanted to review this. Uh, I know Andrew really likes one of the B-sides, um, yep. and I wanted to talk about the two singles. So, plus we have literally nothing to review this week. Yeah, because no, like nothing why, that came like, out Why did no music week. come out this month? Or like this week? Yeah, and, is, is, is it because of then, KCON, or? I don't know. That's what I'm wondering, if KCON matter, or, but like KCON... It's not even in Korea. It's a small group, and it's only a small group of people, like... There's still so many groups that could have put out stuff. I don't know. It's weird, but there was a weird lull. Um, next week, we have more to review. we got Red Velvet and The Boys, and we won't be reviewing Everglow, but Everglow is also coming out. So, But yeah, so I wanted to review Wikimiki, um, and we're going to start off with the new single, the repackaged single, which is Tiki Taka, 99%. Um, so this is a pretty high tempo like summer pop song. It's got a little bit of hints of like tropical stuff going on there, but it's just it's just it's just a summer pop song. Like you've yeah, if you you know what that means. Like if you listen to yeah, K-pop. if you if you're familiar with K-pop, you should know like the sort of the outline of what a summer K-pop song is. Yep, um, I think I really like how the chorus is kind of split into two parts, um, and I think both. They're they're really contrasting, but they're both really catchy, um, and I think they're really really well executed. Mm. And I love how I think the ins- the instruments like the instrumentals are simple but intricate at the same time. If that makes any sense, yeah. Like there isn't a million there isn't a million things going on with the instrumentals, but there's only a few parts. But those parts have like a really nice intricacy to them. Um, so yeah, I was really happy. So I talked about, like I said, I talked about Picky Picky and I love Picky Picky. We'll get into that next, but I was really, really happy that this came out because they haven't done like a summer ish song yet. They've mostly done what they termed teen crush, which were teen crush. Um, so like getting like a straight, just fun, poppy summer song from them. I wasn't sure how it would go. Um, and I'm just, I'm happy it went really well. Um, I really like this song. I don't think it's as good as Picky Picky, but yeah. uh, it's 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 close. Hmm. Um, as for the music video, it's it's same. It's exactly what you'd expect from a summer music video. They party. They're playing around in a pool. They have like summery, like white crop top outfits. Um, but I think the choreography fits the song perfectly. Um, it's full of like just very like wavy movements and like all the movements I think fit the melodies so well. Um, so I was really happy with how the choreography worked too. Mm. Overall, really happy with the song. Yeah, I, I, for, for me, I was kind of like struggling in do I like this better than Picky Picky? Because for me, it's like Tiki Taka is a safe song that doesn't necessarily go like. It's it's not that offensive or like out too out there. Whereas picky picky yeah. is definitely out there. Where some yep. parts I like, some parts I don't like. So I don't know which one I, I highly valued better. Like, do I like something that's safe that doesn't like annoy safe me? Safe but good. Safe but good. Or something that that's like some parts that's good. Experimental. Yeah, yeah experimental. And I think I still kind of put tiki or um picky picky. I'll get into that later. Like why I like picky picky better. But I mean, yeah, I mean. 
I do enjoy this song. Like, it's really catchy, especially with, like, the chorus. Like, the tiki-taka a little more. And, like, even the chorus <laughs> itself is... It's a lot more vocal-heavy than I'm used to with Wikimiki. Because, like, if you look at all, like, their songs, like, they're, like... Like, I don't like a girlfriend or whatever. It's, like, a lot of, like, I don't know, just, like, not singing <laughs> to some degree, yeah. if that makes any sense. Um, I, I I don't know. Like, I, I, like... I'm really conflicted with this song in that, like, hey, again, it's pretty safe and it's pretty enjoyable, but it kind of feels like any girl group can do this. And what I did like, what I do like about WikiMiki is just like how unique they are. And I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, it's it's nothing too like it. It's nothing I'm too like worked up about because I mean, everyone does a, a summer single or whatever. But I, I again, mm-hmm. it's it's not necessarily like the the peak of WikiMiki for me. Um... But yeah, I, 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 just, I still do enjoy the song. It's just been stuck in my head <laughs> all week. Um, yeah, yep. music video, again, nothing too crazy. They, 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 they definitely all look nice. Same thing with choreo. It's definitely pretty basic. Don't have to go too crazy for a song like this. Um, Doyun, though. Doyun looks incredible in this entire music video. You like I don't the banks? Everyone, hate, everyone hates it. Really? On the banks. I love it. I don't know. Maybe I'm, a, maybe I'm just a fan so, of bangs, I guess. So Based on the pictures, it's very hit or miss, in my opinion. I think most of the time, like, she looks good in, like, the in video, but sometimes in the pictures, it just it doesn't look very good. I don't know. Um, I, so I like that it. makes sense. <laughs> I, I like the bangs. I don't know. I'm just maybe, I'm kind of just, like, a, a fan of, like, idols with bangs in general, because, I mean, like, Sogi, like, sometimes, like, all, other idols have bangs or whatever, so it it's a taste I like, I guess? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I st- I'm still like back and forth between her and Yu Jung as like <laughs> who's who's my bias in like WikiMiki, but yeah, Doyen's definitely the standout for me in this in in this comeback. Mm-hmm. Uh, next we have Picky Picky, um, which like I said we talked about in releases, but we'll bring it up again. Um, so for me, this is one of my songs of the year. Um, I've talked about it before. I don't know if it's it is my song of the year so far, Not but <laughs> it's definitely it's definitely up there. Um, I love how deep and bassy the instrumentals are. It's like they took like deep house sounds, but then put them in a more up tempo like pop song. Um, I really like that mixture. Um, and I just and I love how like sassy their vocals are and like how full of energy they are. They're just the way they sing the song is like perfect. I think for like what they're going for. Um, and the hook again is insanely catchy. Um. Uh, it's everything about the song I love. I loved it the instant I heard it, and um, it's just the instrumentals are weird and interesting and cool sounding. The vocals are really good. The beat, and I like how the beat itself is very simple because it allows you to focus on those instrumentals and the vocals, because um, those are definitely the highlight. Um, it, it, it's not like some weird beat that kind of like overpowers those. And then I love the music video. I think the styling, the school setting is really good. The like yellow and pink, and then the black and pink outfits they all look amazing. The whole like them finding band instruments and making like a rock band is <laughs> I don't, cheesy I don't get and it. fun. Why? It's it's cheesy and fun. Um, and I think the choreography is amazing too. I think their choreographers like just fit these songs like. Just like both both of these singles, like the choreography fit the songs really well. Um, so yeah, everything about it, love it. One of my favorite songs of the year. Mm. 
Uh, like I said, I mentioned before that I like this better than Tiki Taka, despite my issues. And I guess to sort of bring light to those issues would be, like, again, I agree with you that that hook, that I'm so picky, 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 like, party's just been stuck in my head for so long. And it's it's so, probably one of the catchiest hooks so I've heard good. in a long time. A long time. And I've, we listen to a lot of K-pop here, so, you know, that that's saying something. Um... I'd say where I, I'd say where it's, it sort of falls flat for me in the verses necessarily is I do like how like super like do like bassy and deep that um like that synth is. It's just I wish mm-hmm. like again I like I like a lot of vocal color and vocal melody in my uh, in my verses or just in my singing in general. And I do like the sassiness of it. I just wish that the vocal melody was a lot. It, I wish it was as interesting as the instrumental was because I feel like it, it was a bit of a mismatch in that section. Um, I mean, yeah, it's just, it definitely just sort of balances out. Like, I don't hate the song. I don't love it too, too, too much. But I, I do like it just because it's, again, it's super catchy. And again, I I often talk about how much I like seeing progression in groups and everything. I can see the, the progression that sort of WikiMiki has made in their sound in this song specifically in terms of, like, how experimental it is, like, how just, like, sort of the sound signature they're going for, the concept they're going for. So, again, that's something I value a lot when it comes to K-pop. So, um, yeah, that's definitely another plus for it. Also, like, this music video was just so much more creative than um, than uh, Tiki Taka was. I don't know what yeah. the plot of Tiki Taka was. At least with this, they're apparently in a school, and I don't know. So they're apparently in a school. That's all I really know about it. Is they get um, in trouble for doing science experiments, and then they find <laughs> rock band instruments, and then make a rock band for a school. Show. Yeah, it makes total sense. Uh, yeah, Come at on. least at least they, at least there's a, yeah, at least there's some. Semblance of a plot there. Um, yeah, choreo again. Choreo is nothing too crazy. I think I don't think it ever is really for WikiMiki. It's yeah, but they do a good job of having it fit whatever concept and sort of what what the sort of song is going after. That sassy, like really like edgy type of like girl group type of thing. So they do a really good job in sort of showcasing that through their dancing. I don't know where I'd put it in terms of my favorites because um, I I really don't know because I, I I've just been I've, I've usually just been okay I like it okay I like it for okay I like it for most um, WikiMiki songs so I, I don't know, I just have to I'd probably have to take a deeper dive to sort of rank whatever my favorite singles would be where where do you mm-hmm. put this in terms of um, favorite WikiMiki singles like number one or yeah this is definitely my favorite WikiMiki single um, by far I where Tiki Taka I'd have to think about it more. Um, but it it's it's definitely it, I would say it's like mid mid to high. I mean, there's only <laughs> what five or six, so our Tiki Talk is probably yeah, it's, like it's not three, that hard to write their singles. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I just have to like I don't know. I'd have to re-listen to it. It's been a while since I've listened to like Crush. <laughs> what is so. your What are your rankings for Wiki Mickey singles? Let us know in the comments. Yeah, um, we did talk about them. some people were ranking them in uh, Discord a mm. couple days ago. So, um. Next, we have Whatever You Want, uh, which is Andrew, he wants to talk about. Well, I'll give my thoughts first. Um, so this is like more like synth poppy. Uh, I know Andrew knows the actual like term for it. I don't yes. remember the, the uh, genre. Um, but the verses actually give me a bit of a like Ujisonio vibe. There's a bit of like that like, oh, magical yeah. girly. Like, Maybe that's why I like it. I never realized. Twinkly <laughs> sound. Yeah, the, the verses, the, the, the chorus is like super, super poppy and the tempo changes. Um, it's just like really fun to listen to. The song like ebbs and flows really well, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the instrumentals are just super synthy and just fit everything going on. It's just just a really fun poppy sound. Mm. Okay, so the proper term that we have to we, we this is your word of the day, everyone. Hyper cute. That is the genre. Hyper 
cute. It's like this sort of like EDM SoundCloud type anime music vibe type of um, thing. Um, involves a lot of sampling, a lot of like sort of like vocal, like crazy like baby synth type pitches. Um, this is probably like again when I first listened to this, I was like, wow, I was I was just surprised at one, WikiMiki would do something like this, and two, just like again, just like how much I enjoyed it from WikiMiki. Um, because again, it's, there's kind of like that duality to it where like the verses, like, like that intro is just super like hyper cute and like very Japanese style. Verses again, kind of like you said, very kind of like chill, uh, synthy, like Uji Sonyo style. Um, chorus, the chorus specifically is so J pop. It is literally like ripped straight out of like the J pop playbook in terms of like how you do like super fun, upbeat, poppy um, choruses. Um, also, like, I love like this, like the, so like the, like, like, I don't know, like, watery sort of sample, samples, like, there's some parts, like, like, pop, or, like, they, like, really cool, interesting samples, it sounds like something I like, Sean Wasabi's playbook, we mentioned him on releases a couple weeks ago, um, I don't know if they could do something like this as a single, I mean, or if anyone would appreciate it, I'd probably be the only one that likes it as a single, but I, mm-hmm. I definitely want to hear more of this from WikiMiki, because, again, I just, it, it's not necessarily that crazy, like, that teen crush or whatever type of vibe they're going for but it's so unique that I'd love to hear something like this from them again because I'm the crazy person that's going to die on the hill that I like this song better than both Picky Picky and Tiki Taka <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and I'm pretty, yeah, I'm probably the only one that's going to die on that hill but I, I don't mind <laughs> I like it I, I think it would be a cool cool single but yeah I don't know if it would be but like, imagine, granted, like, WikiMiki is not popular. Any, like, yeah, that's the problem. Because anyway, I mean, if you're so. if you're looking at if you're looking at views for like Tiki Taka, it's kind of just like been slow in comparison to just even like Picky Picky. So mm-hmm. yeah, they, they 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 need some help out. <laughs> they need some help in, in in that department, definitely. Yep. Uh, and finally, we have Pedal Fortune. Um, so this is their like acoustic ballad. Uh, I think it's a solid acoustic girl group acoustic ballad, but it's nothing stand out. Um, I think one thing I do like about it is it gives Wikimiki a like vocal showcase because oh, they yeah. don't really get that for their singles, and they do have some really good vocalists. Um, so that's that's always good to have on there. Yeah, that's the one thing that surprised about this that surprised me about this because again we're usually like oh it's a ballad oh whatever whatever but again not having not being exposed to Wikimiki's like outstanding vocal talent all the time makes it sort of a bit refreshing to hear something like this. So yeah, I'd say more than the normal ballad, it definitely kind of stood out to me just because, again, there's really good singing on here and you don't really, like WikiMiki, you, you, like the first thing you think of is just in terms of like concept or like, oh, they have cool, like edgy stuff, not necessarily like good go group ballad type songs. So yeah, I if they could find a way to sort of bring this level of vocalization and singing ability and sort of mix it with... Um, like their teen crush sort of edgy concept, that'd probably be that'd probably be a home run for me in all honesty. Because I love I, I being a fan of both of those styles or just appreciating both of those styles. I think it definitely do do well for them to serve more. Because obviously Korea loves their vocals and like they're good singers or whatever. So again, to incorporate more of that maybe could help them in terms of if there's somebody they could latch onto in terms of being like okay, good singer, good singer, good singer or whatever. I mean, I know that's Yujung, but like it. I don't feel like she's necessarily had like a chance to shine in WikiMiki just because of the, the style of music that they do. So well, yeah, and she's their like main rapper. She's really good at rapping. So like, yeah, that's the thing. Really like, she's super rap focused yeah, stuff. Yeah, she's she's kind of like juggling two things there where she's a great. Yeah, I don't know. Like everyone, like, 
I know she was known as being like a good rapper, but I did like her. Vo- I do like her vo- like singing voice well, a lot. She was a vocalist originally. Yeah, I'm pretty. She, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so she, like, I'm pretty sure yeah, she, she just kind of got rap sections, and then people are like, "Holy crap, you're really good at rapping." Yeah, I think they should they should definitely take more advantage of that because she's a really good singer. So yeah, mix more vocalization with the teen crush, and I think they did have they'd have a real home run on their hands. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, that's it for a review. Uh, like I said, it's a pretty short review. It's only four songs. Um, so we'll get to our scores, uh, and I give it a ten. I had to. It's got, <laughs> no surprise. I had to. I had. It's one of my favorite songs of the year. Um, Tiki Taka is another amazing single. Like, sure, Pedal Fortune didn't stand out a bunch, but it's still like a good acoustic ballad. It's just, it's not like crazy, like amazing level ballad, but it's fine. Um, and I love the music videos. I love the choreography. I couldn't not give it a ten. <laughs> I basically, what do you expect I from me? I Nate strikes again. <laughs> what do you expect from me? Uh, I'm you used to it? it. We're used to it at this point. <laughs> uh, for me, so I gave, for the two singles, basically it's just like one score for Tiki Talk and Picky Picky, one, another score for whatever you want in Pedal Fortune, essentially is how I it ended up breaking up. So uh, 2.5 out of 3.5 points for single. So yeah, that's pretty much like where I'd put them. He's like, I like them, nothing too crazy out there for me, but... Again, yeah, Wiki Minky is pretty solid. I don't think I've, I haven't been to anything. Nothing of their singles, at least, has been too overtly just <clears throat> repulsive or just like boring for me. Like they always do interesting yeah. stuff. So yeah, I'd rather yeah, I'd rather they do interesting stuff and some of it be hit or miss than they just do like hella safe stuff all the time because there's yeah, yeah. there's too many girl groups that do that anyway. So I mean, I know it's it's kind of a de- like I feel like Wiki Mickey and Gugu don't have the same problem where they just do like really like out there stuff sometimes that it's yeah, just yeah. it's hard for them to build a fan base but I mean it doesn't appeal to yeah. the mass audiences yeah but I mean like again uh, me being I guess the hipster I am it's why it appeals to me so 2.5 for single 2.5 points for album again that's most of that's just definitely towards whatever you want and some of that's for pedal portion uh, concept 2 out of 3 again like I've f- they're pretty consistent in what they're doing in terms of concept and uh, choreography and nothing too crazy there. So 7 out of 10. That's probably a pretty good 7 out of 10 for me, in all honesty. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of a borderline 7, 7.5 for me, but yeah, still a pretty good score. Uh, uh, hopefully, though, I, I, I don't know if they'll have anything in the fall, but I'd, I'd be interested to see where they follow up from this. Cause probably not, because IOI come back in October. Yeah, 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 they'll be too busy. So. But yeah, maybe uh, that's actually going to be interesting, is like how will... I guess that's a, that's a topic for another day, but like just to put the question out there, like how will the IOI branches sort of reconvene after IOI makes their um, comeback or whatever? Are they going to try to copy IOI comeback? Are they going to try to do their own thing as usual? Like how will they respond to um, reaction in that sort of way? Which would be will will mm-hmm. be interesting, and we should probably discuss for another just time. Merge all the groups and make a forty member. Yes. Group, if we can, do, no, 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 just just, merge, just do it like AKB48 style, where it's just like 40 members, but you have like Team A, Team K, Team B, and you just basically yeah. just turn like the, the IOI branches into that, and just they all do the same song, just with like different members. <laughs> yeah. Okay, do that, please. Um, oh, and uh, Cooper's <laughs> Cooper score. gave a 7.5. 7. 7.5, so. so. What was, I don't, I don't know what the breakdown was. Uh, 10, um, 7, 7.5, divide that by no, 3. No, I meant Cooper. Oh. I didn't know what Cooper's breakdown was. Yeah, this is an 8. It averages to an 8. It averages to an 8. Um, so yeah, pretty good score for Wiki Mickey. Um, definitely let us know in the comments what your thoughts are on either Tiki Taka or Picky Picky. Uh, I guess what you think their position is, like if you think they'll, they have a good outlook. Um, who should my bias be? Should it, should it be, should it be Yujung? Should it be Do- uh, Doyen? I don't know. 
<laughs> I don't know. They're, I both like them for various reasons. Why not both? I mean, am I am I allowed that many? Like, what's the rule again? Because it's, it's eight, like it's eight members every four members. So you're oh shoot! So I can, I can so so I'm in the clear. I can I can stand both. Oh, that that works. That works fine for me. So yeah, if if there's anyone else I should bias, definitely let me know in the comments. <laughs> yep. Okay. Uh, so we'll get to topic four, which will probably be fairly short. Yeah. Um, basically just our thoughts. So I wanted to just talk about. Uh, line distribution, um, which isn't something we've ever really talked about. Um, but what do we think is like a fair line distribution? Um, what do we think is a good, like line distribution, um, ideal, um, that kind of thing. So basically this came about because if you, we just got done reviewing Picky Picky or, uh, Tiki Taka and the new Wikimiki, uh, comeback and Lua, one of the members of Wikimiki has zero lines in the new song. Wait, um, seriously? She has absolutely no lines. Um, yeah. So that's what kind of got me thinking about this topic of like, wait, what's she has a one fair... line. She has one line. I'm that's looking not... at, I'm looking at not the, on, on color color lyrics. She has one line. All she says is tell me you, you love shouldn't. me. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> she says one thing and that's it. <laughs> that was not what I was told. Um, and I looked it up too and it, they, maybe they updated them because I had looked at color-coded lyrics, like, a few days ago, and she had nothing. I mean, that's still crazy, though. Like, you have one... You have eight members, yeah. and, like, she's the only one that has that few lines, because, yeah, pretty much yeah. everyone else in the group has lines, has a decent amount of lines. Yeah, it has a... Yeah, it, it's pretty evenly split. Except um, for... <laughs> except for Lua. So, that's why, like... Yeah, so I guess she does have one line. Uh, I guess they must have updated color-coded lyrics, and whoever... Whoever does all this and figures out who's seeing what line must have made a mistake God bless. originally or God bless because I can't I can't um, I can't even figure out who the heck like my biases are like singing sometimes let alone like what yeah. the whole group I could is. only I could only do color coded lyrics for a few groups like SNSD and then maybe and like IOI no even SNSD it. I have a trouble I have trouble with just because oh, like SNSD that was when I knew I was a hardcore song. <laughs> you could like, figure out what I was like. Well, you could okay, f- I now can identify them by voice. This is a problem. <laughs> um, maybe, I've like, gone too deep. I think the only one I could do maybe is like twenty one because that's easy because it's just like four well, members yeah, and all like of them have like. Them. Yeah. It's probably easier for if like groups have distinctive yeah, voices or, yep. or like smaller groups. So yep. anyway, wait. um, but yeah, so line distribution would like because it always sucks when you get these like where yeah, there's like. We, t- we we've talked about it before with like it happens a lot more often with foreign members so like G Idol and GWSN both had this issue with um Mia and uh Shua like mm-hmm. where they didn't their first two first few comebacks neither of them had a lot of lines and I, we think part of that might have been just because they were both foreigners still learning like, maybe their their yeah Korean skills weren't as good and like they just their pronunciation wasn't good or whatever um, this is different because Lua's Korean, so, like, it just, like, obviously, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have un- uneven line distribution. Like, yeah, it's, it's not, it, you have to because your main vocalists are gonna sing the hooks, they're gonna sing the chorus, like, they're gonna have the major parts. Um, so obviously not everyone's gonna have the same amount of lines. Your main vocalists are gonna get more lines. Um... And I think that's, that's kind of balanced out by the rappers getting their own verses hmm. and dancers usually getting dance breaks. Like they balance it out that way. 
Yeah, um, that, that's why I don't think I'm too like hung up about line distribution all the time. It's just because like yeah. if if it's done with a purpose, like if you're if it's un, unbalanced for a purpose, or like if such and such person has more lines because they're a good singer or whatever. If it's if the ultimate goal of it is to like further enjoyment or further the quality of the song i think it's it's, it's okay i mean i don't like yep. if somebody only has one line i mean i, I usually just uh, maybe like it's it's okay but i usually like having everyone at least have a few lines but i i I, yeah. do, I don't mind if somebody has like the majority of the lines necessarily um just because again mm-hmm. like, yeah, that, that, that's why everyone has different positions like you have singers you have dancers you have visuals <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they stand in the center and look pretty yeah um yeah, I'm the same way. Like line distribution is not something that bothers me very often, um, but I just thought it would be an interesting topic. And yeah, it it does suck. Like when, like you said, I I I understand why members, certain members have less lines than others, but it does feel like unfair when a member gets zero to like one line of a song like yeah they're singing they're part of the song like a three and a half minute song is literally like three seconds then yeah like, so they, they get like what less than one percent of a person yeah, yeah exactly yeah, like of the entire song it, is them singing yeah so it, it always feels unfair and i mean there really isn't much we could do about it um other than maybe just I don't know, like, there really isn't much. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know how much, like, Twitter complaining is, like, give such and such person more lines, yeah, we'll do anything. do anything. <laughs> I mean, people um, do it anyway, but... <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and it obviously it just feels bad when that's, like, your favorite member or whatever. Um, like, you're... Because that... If they get less... If they have less lines, that usually means less music video screen time. It means yeah. they're never the center of the of the choreography... Like if they don't have any lines, like it means they get just, less like CFs and everything. They're, they're glorified, glorified, yeah, they're yeah. a glorified backup dancer. If yeah. you have zero lines in a song. Yeah. So like, it's it definitely sucks if that's your favorite member. Um. So yeah, it was just like kind of something I wanted to bring up. Like, what are you, do you have any more thoughts on? In, in terms of line distribution, of what interests yeah. me more is like again, I, I might I might be the only one that cares about this problem, but I. In terms of like line distribution problems, are people that only have to do like one thing. Oh, yeah, a lot of time is like rappers, they only get to do rap lines, they don't get to sing all too much. So, I'm always a fan of like letting rap line getting like get a few singing lines or whatever, like specifically, yeah, uh, you know, like like when Moonbyul from Mamamoo gets to sing, like she's incredible at it, or like Amber it, when she was in FX, like, all, like for the longest time, longest time, they're like, okay, you're the rapper, you just you do the rap verse, rap verse, rap verse, rap verse, and then when they she finally get, get got to sing for a bit, I'm just like, damn, she has an amazing voice, and it, yeah, she's a good voice, yeah, like I love singing, like I think I like singing Amber better than rapping it, <laughs> to be yeah. completely honest with you, um, yeah, so I like, well, I mean. Uh, rapping Amber is like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I, she has a great singing voice. So that's why I wish I'm glad she got to use it more. Or, um, I do. I like situations where you get to change around. Like, if a group's known for specific line distribution and they get to change it around a bit, I think that's definitely a, a, an interesting thing. Like, with, I, I think that's half the reason why I ended up liking Likey by Twice is because mm-hmm. for the longest time we were just so conditioned to you know Jihyo Nayeon choruses just to, for the to, for the end of time and then you get Likey with just mm-hmm. Sana like hard carrying like the like the 
like the beginning of it, which was so refreshing and so new and so different for them that that, that definitely contributed yeah. to like my enjoyment of it a lot. Um, I do understand how hard it can be though with once you get into like the ridiculousness level of like group num- numbers, like when you get like to like the eyes ones or like the seventeens or the Wuju Sonyos where you have to like line distribute for like thirteen people. Like I don't know how that works, but I mean I'd say eyes one like I line distribution has never been a problem for either of us, I think, when it comes to eyes one. Like I don't think I've ever just had that as like a outstanding issue. They they do a pretty good job of letting everyone get lines, I think. Um, probably one of the only few groups that uh, that does it, in all honesty, because like, because I, I, I know it's bad with like Wuju Sonyo for the longest time. It was just like, it was just like Yeonjung and like Changshao, and then Xe doing raps basically. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably the only one I know of, or I, I think of like right off the bat that was pretty egregious. With like over half the group doesn't sing or like doesn't do anything in terms of like getting individual like um, lines. But yeah, yeah, eyes one's pretty good at it. Like everyone gets e- pretty equal. Um, seventeen is pretty good at it, surprisingly. Well, because seventeen does a lot of like unit stuff, so everyone gets a chance yeah. to shine in that sort of way. Um, yeah, that, that's that's pretty. That's pretty much the only ones that come to mind in terms of like good examples of line distribution. Yeah, I, I mean, like I said, usually if you if you don't notice it's a thing, like it's probably fine. Like I mean, maybe. Mm-hmm. You don't know everyone in the group or whatever, but it's hard to tell sometimes. But, like, I would say for the majority of groups and most songs, it's not really that big of a deal. I mean, like I said, it's obvious you're the less skilled singing members are going to have less lines. Like, yeah. That's just a fact of life. Um, but it, it, it's nice if it's, like, somewhat even. Yeah, and I mean, sort of... Again, a lot of people just pay attention to singles, but it, a lot of the time it just ends up evening out on like through, uh, yeah, like, throughout the like, yeah like the the length of an album or like a length of a like a mini or like an EP or sort of thing. Like they they, they it seems like most groups like even in beast like for B sides like everyone gets the chance to shine. Like like when uh, Day Six has like B sides where like Doan gets to sing, everyone's just like holy shit! <laughs> you finally yeah, get yeah. yeah. It's it's always a nice treat, and we've we've talked about that a lot too. So yeah, it yep. it usually ends up like balancing out in sort of sort of way if you listen through like the album in its entirety. Hmm. Yeah, bands are another. Bands like kind of the exception. They're allowed to have horrible line distribution because there's like, a sleek lead just, singer. There's like people yeah, that play yeah, instruments and that like, sort of thing. That's just what how bands usually work is the ins- the people playing the instruments aren't usually doing much singing other than like harmonies and stuff. So. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. Um, if you don't have anything else, I think we can wrap it up. I didn't yeah. think this was gonna be a very long time. Yeah, I mean, definitely let us know what your thoughts are on line distribution. Is your bias getting yep, screwed? <laughs> Is your bias yeah. getting screwed? Are you a little bias? Are you a little bias um, and you want her to get all the lines? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you so- are, are you someone that does color coded lyrics type stuff? I I I definitely love yeah, to interview that someone would... that just like goes through the process <laughs> that of would this. Be interesting. It's yeah. like like how how many times do they have to listen to the same line over and over again to be like okay this is do- like, okay this is this member or okay this is this member like I I yeah. don't think I'm that good. Well, yet. And then you get into the parts where there's two people harmonizing and sometimes how they even tell- figure out which two members. How and can like, you tell? Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah, that's like it's like black magic type stuff. So yeah, yeah definitely fascinating yep so that's it 
uh, for episode 134. Um, like I said at the top, if you enjoyed the episode, like us, uh, like the videos, subscribe to us on YouTube, click the notification bell, follow us on Twitter, uh, review us on iTunes, that sort of thing. Uh, and of course, join our Mucho Lit Discord um, to come hang out with us, talk to us, talk to other fans of K-pop, and we just talk about anything in there. There's a billion channels that not always related to k-pop there's gaming and sports and stuff like that um so it's just a nice little community to hang out in um and we do fun stuff like song ratings where uh by the time this goes up the uh female soloists will be due so um, yeah hopefully definitely d- people do that because yeah. it's a long one <laughs> A lot of fun things like share drunken messages, video messages. <laughs> yeah, that was that was interesting. But we'll leave that for the Discord. Oh, um, love you, Paige. So yeah, uh, upcoming next week, uh, it's gonna be me, Baron, and Sam. Um, they went to KCon LA. They're there right now. Um, so we're gonna talk about that as well as review Red Velvet and the Boys. That, that should probably be a Lunacast. Now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, I don't know. Well, I, well, it's only we, a small part of it. We gave. I mean, I mean we gave eyes one. Small. Yeah, we gave eyes one the the, the produce yeah, cast treatment. Then it requires a bunch of like editing stuff that I can't do unless you're gonna edit it. <laughs> I can. No, I can. I can edit it for you guys. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> just do the overlays. <laughs> just, just. I can do uh, it. Well, I did the yeah whatever. Um. So yeah, uh, that'll be upcoming. Uh, two weeks after that, I won't be available. So Andrew will have to figure that out. Jacob can show up at some point. He has to go back to college at some point. Yeah, he too, goes, so has to know. go back to school at some but point. So he's going to get access once to like he goes fast back internet. <laughs> to school. And once he goes back to school this year, he actually has his own room. So we don't have to worry about any disruptions or anything. He unless, can record uh, unless somebody wants to cheer for Jiwoo like they did back in 2017. <laughs> yeah. Unless people just um, randomly go screaming in the hallways. But Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, that's it. And thank you and good night. I don't know. I don't know. I I didn't have anything to say other than stay. No, that would be. I was going to say stay throbbingly communist. (laughs) Stay throbbingly communist. But that's the opposite of what we're. Hong Kong. Hong Kong. We're thinking about you. We love you. We throbbingly love you.